You light it and you throw it and then everything. Whoop. <laughs> <laughs> then your microphone explodes. <laughs> Hi, I'm Eric. And I'm Megan. And this is Cinema Super Collider. Where we're smashing up cinema one movie at a time. Greetings, my friend. We are all interested in the future, for that is where you and I are going to spend the rest of our lives. You are interested in the unknown, the mysterious, the unexplainable. That is why you are here, my friend. Can your heart stand the shocking fact about cinema, On this episode of Cinema Super Collider, we conclude our March O'Gortner month with the 1976 Food of the Gods. The worst of the giant rodent movies, according to Michael Medved. Oh, well, good, because apparently he's an expert on giant rodent movies. Don't get me started on Michael Medved right at the beginning of the show. Let's not even go there. What are other giant rodent movies? The the shrews? Well, yes, I think the sh- I don't know. Yeah, the killer shrews. Killer was one. shrews. Of right. course, the night of the lepus, which Night-o- is another right, bird by Gordon, mm-hmm. and uh, there might have been another one or two in there. Right. Yes. So, but uh, he says that this is the worst. I would say Night of the Lepus is is well. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it has rabbits. That are, the, it's kind of funny. They're adorable. Yeah. I mean, this this well. Um, it, it, this is a giant rat movie starring Marjo Gortner. Yes. And Ida Lupino, who's a very interesting actress. Yes. Very famous, but not from this movie. And uh, who else is in this thing? Anything else? Anybody else? I don't I think there's anybody else of note in no, this thing. I think, no, I mean, so. I think those are your two big names, really, are Marjo Gortner and, uh, and Ida Lupino. Yeah. And I would really honestly say Ida Lupino is really the big name in this movie because... Well, I, she's, we, I, I've, I'm become a total Ida Lupino fan. I've become obsessed with Ida Lupino. Yes. Just looking her up for this because she's an amazing actor and director and filmmaker and bon vivant and, you know. This this podcast may turn into an episode of You Must Remember This specifically about Ida Lupino just because Eric spent so much time reading about her. She directed at, at least three episodes of Gilligan's Island. She was on at, at two episodes of Columbo. And she also directed uh, episodes of The Twilight Zone. The only and, woman to ever direct a Twilight Zone episode. And she was also in The Twilight Zone episode. She was, uh, yes, she was in a Twilight Zone episode in a, a, a very sort of touching episode where she's uh, sort of like uh, Gloria Swanson, where she's a faded star and she ends up in the end disappearing into her own movie. Oh, I've, I've seen that movie. one. I have seen that episode. Yeah, I, yeah. I do remember that one. Yeah. Yeah, so, it's like I mean, her it's, friends. Her friends show up, and all she does is just want to watch her movies over right, and over again. Right. And then they show up, and then suddenly she, she's gone. But she's not they, there. They but put, there she is on the screen. Yeah, it's just like a, a, a Very Sunset Boulevard, Sunset Boulevard, or uh, Purple Rose of Cairo, even. Mm. So, um, but anyway, so but, but this, this, this is, movie is not about those things. This is about giant rats. It's it actually it's about the food of the gods, right? Which and how it came to Earth, exactly, and. What is the source material for this particular film, Eric? Uh, apparently a fairly interesting science fiction book from H.G. Wells. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing I 
had no idea about until I started researching it for this particular show. I always considered it to be one of H.G. Wells' books that nobody reads, so it's kind of like I never bothered to look at it. It's one of the big ones, though. It's it's interesting. It's in three parts, and this covers the part one of uh, the novel. Which is and, we've discovered the food of the gods. Yes, we disco- Well, it's a it's a bunch. <laughs> it's a bunch of uh, uh, what do they call it in the Wikipedia article? It's like they're they're a bunch of like low life hicks or something that that run a farm and and do a poor job of, of uh, handling this food of the gods and like let it get into the food system and it creates giant earwigs and giant uh, chickens and uh, you know some other like giant wasps I think mm-hmm. and this is that part of the thing the movie that. Uh, Bert I. Gordon made another version of Food of the Gods. An earlier version. An earlier version of Food of the Gods, except that one was called Village of the Giants. Mm -hmm. And that was about the second part of H.G. Wells' Food of the Gods. Which is when it transfers. Right. People become the the big giant creatures. Yeah. And apparently there's a lot of satire in the book about scientists and progress and... Uh, you know, social. It, it, it's it's a little bit like uh, uh, Gulliver's Travels in its own way, at least as it's mm. described in the Wikipedia article. I don't I don't pretend to be an expert on the. On Eric the did not actually read the. I book. didn't read the book. He, I didn't even just, read the cliff notes. He read the read, Wikipedia. Right, and I mean, <laughs> I, I I could open it on the screen in front of me and just read to you from that, but I'd rather just let's give you not my vague impression. Of we don't need to pull a pandemic three. Yeah, no, but what what happens in this movie is Marjo Gortner is a football player who stumbles into a situation where there's a sort of remote island where animals grow really big and create havoc, and he has to help to rescue everybody from that problem. Right, and the football player thing doesn't pay off at all. It's just, it's a very inexplicable part of the story. I think Marjo just wanted to be in a football uniform and and look cool throwing the ball around. I guess. Yeah, I think he just wanted to be in a football uniform, which is... It's actually kind of confusing because he's wearing a helmet that looks like the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, and there's like two squads of like five guys on a snowy field practicing in, in an empty stadium. And it, it's obviously not the 49ers, but it's got an SF on the helmet. It's a, it is a little, it's con- a little confusing. It's a little the colors, confusing. I think, are wrong, too, uh, for San Francisco. Although, who the hell knows what it was back in 1976? Is that what this movie was from? 1976, yeah. yeah. So mid-70s. Yeah. I think that just based on the look of the locations and everything, it seemed, it feels more like Portland, somewhere in Oregon, because it's very wet, and there's snow, and there's sort of mountains and forests, and that does not strike me as San Francisco. I mean, Eric grew up in Southern California, so he's... No, 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 it's not San... There's nothing San Francisco no. at all about this. No, absolutely Other than not. there's a ferry, and I know that there used to be a ferry that would take you from... Like the, One point to the other. The mainland out to the peninsula. Well, I think they know. point out that it's on an island. Everything's right. taking place on an island. Right. Offshore. Right. Which, again, that more seems to me to be like Pacific Northwest and not so much Southern California. Yeah. But again, wh- what do I know? Yeah. I don't know. It's got like ferns and pine trees and, you know, deciduous forests. and So Martin... Marjo and his friends, he's got two friends, one of whom is appropriately aged for a football player and the other who is like grandpa, but is apparently also a football player. And they are hunting deer on horseback. Stag hunt, they said. Stag hunt, It right. was no stag they were There's, hunting. It no, like, it was like a like, deer. Yeah. It's like mama deer. Doe, a yeah. deer. A female deer. Yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah. So the, the beginning is very action-packed. 
There's a lot of horse jumping and horse riding. There's a lot of horse action. We got jumping, we got riding, we got like cool, you know, uh, uh, dogs running in the in the foreground where the horses are chasing, and they eventually corner what is very much not a stag, and Marjo kind of lets it go, and his yeah. friends are pissed. Right, and the, and the old friend of his goes in search of it, and he gets attacked by giant mosquitoes. Or no, giant wasps. They some sort gi- of it's some sort of a bug spinning on a. It's a wasp. So first, look, Bird Eye Gordon is a famous director. He just died recently. Rest in peace. Pour, pour one out for Bird Eye Gordon. Yeah, uh, his claim to fame was making giant monster movies in the United States that were all like drive-in movies. He made the giant tarantula. He giant, made the giant Gila monster. Giant Gila monster. He made the giant mantis. He made the village uh, of the giants. Village, <laughs> village of the giants. Everything was a giant. With did him. he do Killer Shrews as well? Uh, I don't think he did Killer Shrews. Okay. Uh, I know that he did uh, uh, Beginning of the End. Be- which was Grasshoppers. Grasshoppers, Peter Graves in Chicago, when mm-hmm. you saw the Grasshoppers on the like Crawling building. on the walls, yes. Yeah, it was like a little postcard. <laughs> grasshoppers. <laughs> but, I mean, he actually, he did, oh, he also did Night of the Lepus. We, you know, which is of, Giant Rabbits. Yeah, giant Rabbits. So, that was his claim to fame. So, he, uh, you know, right in the movie, five minutes into the movie, you see giant insects, but... I don't think he was at, like really up on his game. It was sort of like a, kind of like a blurry sort of thing in the in the sky. You see, and it then would, you see like a like a like a things type puppet on this guy's back, like sucking him dry. Well, it's very clearly been like it's a plastic bug. Let's say it's a wasp. I, I think it's a wasp because later on we see wasps eating the food of the gods in Ida Lupino's kitchen. So we'll, we'll just say it's a wasp. It's been sewn onto the back of this man's jacket. In a way that, like, it's so very clearly a fake rubber insect. Yeah, but he shakes it around a lot, and the camera shakes, and yeah. then they cut to this sort of, like, you know, process shot with, like, a, a dead wasp on a stick sort of twirling, and, <laughs> and, and, and you know, against a background, a keyed-out background or mm-hmm. something. It's, it's, it's not that well done. No, um, <laughs> not but, at all. Uh, uh, he, he turns over, and he's all bloated and scary looking. Well, because he's been stung by a giant wasp. It's not just like a bunch of wasps. It's like one sting from one giant wasp. It's just exploded him with venom. Yeah. I mean, you know, if that had actually worked, it would probably have been pretty cool. Like, by today's standards, you had like a Cronenberg version of that. That would have been excellent. Now you know, His eyes would have popped out and blood spurted. Now, horribly uh, hand-rendered, not CGI wasp versus horribly rendered CGI bird from Birdemic, which is more believable and more appealing to see on screen. The CGI wasp? Well, it wasn't CGI. Oh, no, the CGI wasp. The the, the horrible hand-operated... Hand yeah, wasp on a stick? Wasp on a stick look okay. better than the birds in Birdemic. <laughs> we, I mentioned that some uh, like halfway through the movie when we were watching it. Yeah. It's like... like the, the it, people in Birdemic thought it was going to look at least as good as a movie from 1976. And it, it did doesn't not. even come close. No. The only thing that they had over the horribly hand-drawn wasps on a stick was that the, I think the color was a little better on the birds. Yeah. That's about it. Yeah. Yeah. I think the color was better on the birds. And, and this one, at least the guy had a shovel he was swinging at the, the giant wasps and not a coat hanger. So, I mean, even that... Uh, that's it, true it wasn't as funny as a coat hanger no so, choice mean, of a, weapon was more realistic but still not, not great as funny yeah. so so one of the three gets killed and uh th- they need to bring him back to the mainland but the phone lines are dead or they're, they're well they dead. have to find a phone line they because gotta find a phone line they're in the middle of sort of island wilderness so 
Marjo's... Right. But he's dead. Why not they just throw him in the Jeep and, and go back? Well, because they're on horseback. Oh, okay. Well, they could... You know, uh, uh, I mean, yeah. I guess technically they could have thrown him over a horse. They had... Walked him back. Walked but it would have been easier to call like an ambulance or exactly. something. So. Exactly. So Marjo goes off looking for someone who has a phone and stumbles upon Ida Lupino's farmhouse. Mrs. Skinner. <laughs> Mrs. Skinner. Now... Does he do the normal thing that people would do, which is go to the actual farmhouse to see if a person is there who could give him a phone to use? No. What does he do? He goes to the barn where the animals are and discovers <laughs> giant fucking chickens. Which attack him, which are awesome. Immediately. It's great. This is where the movie really shines with the giant puppet heads that attack Marjo Gortner. Right. So the way that any of the giant animals in this film are shown is either you know, at actually attacking the, the actors. And so various PAs off, off the sides of the screen have these giant head puppets that they're using, whether it's giant chicken heads or giant like uh, rat heads. Yeah, this would be like a head of a chicken that was maybe like nine feet tall. Right. So imagine a chicken head that's like... It's big. Yeah, I mean, it's like 24 inches, two feet long, you know, like big giant beak and... Like leathery sort of like waddles on its face or the, comb on its head or whatever. The other technique for showing the giant animals attacking people is to basically do a split screen where it's sort of half of a screen of whatever animal it is that has been sized up so that it looks as big as the humans that are on the other side of the split screen where they, they never quite cross that split in the middle. Right. And the other, I mean, the part of that split screen thing is also the full on small animals on a model. Yes, on some sort of model. And that's that's where, you know, uh, Bird Eye Gordon really made his bones with, you know, gi the giant Gila monster movie. What was it? A, a Gila monster or beaded lizard on a train board. You know, yeah. what was, uh, t you know, the giant tarantula? It was a tarantula on a train board. Yeah. Uh, what was uh, Night of the Lepus? It was rabbits on a little train board with little train houses and <laughs> yes. stuff. And so, you know, you show it from a distance and then you run it in slow motion and then you show close-ups of, you know, giant heads. Animals stepping on and things. if you edit it together properly, it gives the il illusion? We'll, we'll give it an illusion. Yeah, I, sure. You know, it's... It, by today's standards, it doesn't work as an illusion at all. It's, it's glaringly obvious. Yes, it's it, very clear that they're on a model. On the other hand, it's much more charming and interesting than watching just digital stuff, mm -hmm. at least for me. I Look, I, as you well know, I am a fan of models. If models had not completely gone out of, out of vogue, I would have seriously considered becoming a model maker for... There's a lot of models in vogue still. I mean, Not the way they used to be. No, there's only models in vogue. What are you talking about? Oh, fuck you with your jokes, your dad jokes. Goddamn dad jokes. This is you what I live right with. Into that. This is what I live right with twenty four seven, people. Dad yeah. jokes nonstop. Like it was a layup over the rim. I Ugh. had to put that in. Ugh. There's no models in vogue anymore. Ugh. What are you talking about, Megan? You have only yourself to blame. For yeah, that sure, joke. sure I do. Anyway, so Marjo fights off giant chickens for a long time, way longer than it needed to be, uh, and uh, comes running out of the the. Hen house barn? I'm not exactly sure what we're supposed to think of it as outbuilding. And Ida Lupino is creeping on him from her doorway and is basically like, Leave my chickens alone. 
<laughs> and he's like, have you seen your chickens? What just, have your chickens done now? Yeah, it's, it's like, it's like, just leave them alone. Do you have a phone? No, of course I don't have a phone. I live on an island. Why would I have a phone? Okay, well, sure. Yeah. Uh, by the way, what's the deal with the chickens? Exactly. And she's like, well, we're holy people and the food of the gods has come out of the ground. It's uh, because we've been good Christians and uh, now the, the, it's, it's given us uh, food to eat by, you know, we mix this goo in the chicken feed and feed it to the chickens and then they grow big and then we eat the chickens and, you know, have a, have a big roast. And my and husband... Says, Hold that thought. We'll yeah. Be, we'll be right back. My, my husband has gone off to the big city to talk to somebody about... Skinner! About selling this stuff or our products, our farm products. Yeah, it was either that or like exotic beeswax, lavender soap. Something. Of the gods. Yes. Yeah. Not as thrilling. Yeah. <laughs> Not something. As, something but, of the gods. Ida Lupino's makeup of the gods. And this is where my first question comes into play. Um, if you live on a farm or, or really anywhere, really, even if you live in the city and a whole opens up in your backyard, side yard, whatever yard, and goo just starts coming out of it. Where does one's first reaction to this phenomenon go, I'm going to feed that to animals. Like, I'm going to mix it with their food and feed it to them. It seems like not a thing people would do. Yeah. Now, see, in the book, what happens is a mad scientist comes up with this formula to feed to these chickens and, and do an experiment. He owns this little farm, right? Sure. The, the mad scientist. That he, makes sense. And he comes up with this thing and says to the caretaker and his wife, like, feed this to the chickens, and then we're going to, you know, kill the chickens and then do studies on them and whatnot. But the husband and wife are kind of like slovenly losers <laughs> or something. It Hicks. says it's Hicks or whatever it says in the Wikipedia article about him. It was really derogatory and humorous. But they let it get into the regular food supply and everything starts growing out of control. There's big giant bugs and all this kind of crap. And then they got to burn it to the ground. That's the end of the first part of the book. Sure. And so that's that's basically what's going to happen in this film. That makes way more sense to me than just like two people stumble upon goo in their yard and are like, let's feed it to the chickens because that's what we do with goo that just shows up. Mysterious goo. Yeah. You know, I wonder if a young James Nguyen saw this and thought like, <laughs> you know, I need to do a a environmental movie about how the nature is going to strike back because we're not doing something right because that seems to be the theme of this honestly film. i mean that's that's what they're trying for but it's i would like, love to see a james Nguyen giant monster movie giant animal movie uh, well we saw a giant jumbo jellyfish in uh, birdemic 2 but that wasn't the point of the movie no no but like i would love to see him redo night of the lepus I think James Wen's next movie is just going to be reading like just reading uh, climate control or yeah, climate change. Just uh, reading Al Gore's book, you know, just like into a microphone, and that's it. Wouldn't it. be him though. He'd he'd need some young blonde uh, st starlet type to do that in yeah. a hotel wearing a bikini. Right. Yeah. Maybe a Victoria's Secret model. Yes, of course. In mm -hmm. a in a twenty four hour uh, photo mat. <laughs> doing her her test shoot for victoria's secret so marjo has to get his dead buddy back to the mainland so uh it, well it, one of the things that's very important about this film is that there's a ferry 
There is, and we see a lot of it. We see Marjo and his two buddies coming over on the ferry. You see cars go. driving onto the ferry. Right, and we see the ferry gates close, and then we see them on the rail of the ferry mm-hmm. as the ferry makes its way across the water. Yep. A little bit of dialogue back and forth. They don't talk about anything important. Then we see them open the gates, and the ferry lands, and the ramp comes down, and then the jeep drives off the ferry. And now we get to see the whole thing in reverse, basically. Because Mr. Skinner is coming back. Yeah. Mr. S- well, Mr. Skinner is coming back. So, yeah, so you get to see Mr. Skinner coming back. He drives onto the ferry. Right. He takes the ferry across. Mm-hmm. He drives off the ferry. Right. There's a lot of ferry in this movie. Yeah. There and is almost as much ferry as there is giant rat. Oh, my God. There is so much. And there's a lot of giant rat. <laughs> there's a lot of giant rat. But there's almost as much ferry. And, and then Mr. Skinner gets killed by some. He gets killed by giant rats. Giant rats. Is he a rat victim? One of the first. He's rat the victims? first rat victim. Rat victim. Number one. Number one. Mr. He's driving a, a bug, if I remember correctly. Oh, yeah, that's, oh, yeah, that was my favorite part of the movie. It was the... Uh, the, the cars. The, the Volkswagen love bug. It was mm-hmm. my first car I inherited from my dad. A Volkswagen flat windshield love bug. What a piece of junk that was. My mom had a bug. She uh, <laughs> she infamously got it stuck under a semi-truck on the highway coming back from her job when she was, I believe, very pregnant with me, and it ended up dragging her for several miles. Wow. Yeah. Well... I mean, good for her because uh, the the bugs don't generally last that long. I mean, I'll tell you what having one was like. Oh, no, that's what did in the bug. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, this type of Volkswagen at this period in time, it was basically like driving a golf cart with like sheet metal around you. That's Mm -hmm. about it. Yeah. Not a great car. (laughs) Not safe in under any circumstances. Many of the Volkswagen products from that period of time were not great. A friend of mine had a microbus from that period and it was also fairly bad. Had basically no brakes on it whatsoever. Oh my God. I had to do so much crazy stuff with my Volkswagen. It would die all the time unless I had my foot on the gas. Mm. So when I had to go up to a corner, I'd take my foot off the gas, step on the brake to slow the car down, the car would die. I'd go around the corner. I'd drop it into second, pop out pop, the clutch, yep, pop and the then clutch. it would start. I used, to, I, I used to say it was the ultimate union of man and machine. Oh, boy. Volkswagen, because I had to do half of the things the machine was supposed to be doing by itself. Yeah. I had to become the machine. I had to become the, the Volkswagen. Vo- the Volkswagen. Yeah, I was well, Volkswagen when I was driving. I mean, it, doesn't Volkswagen mean like people, people mover? People wagon. People wagon, yeah. yeah. It was it was my person my personal people wagon yeah so he has this Volkswagen and he gets killed by uh, uh, giant, giant rats. rats and then Marjo and his dead companions they get on the ferry well, and then they go across <laughs> yes and then he talks to some he, he he's back in the football stadium and says no you got to come out with me and help me do this thing with the giant chickens and the guy's like what I don't want to his, all his friend wants to do is go to Chicago the next day. That's all he wants to do. Is it's go like to it's like Dante in in uh, Clerks. Yeah, I'm not even supposed to be here. Is yeah. is the refrain of this movie for this this unfortunate man whose only crime really was knowing Marjo Gortner. Yeah. So Marjo says, "No, no, no. You got to come with me." So then they get in Marjo's jeep, and then we see the jeep drive up to the ferry, and then the, the gate comes into the ferry lands, and da 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 da. Now. In between this fairy journey and another fairy journey, we have two bacteriologists. Will this become important at any point in time? No. But they're, they do make they a are, point of saying They are characters it. in the movie. They but. are characters in the movie, but the fact that they are bacteriologists, it just it's one of those facts, like Marjo being a football player. It's just... 
Yes. Never but, matters. Right. Missed opportunities, number one and number two. Exactly. We can, you know, we can talk about the bacteriologist thing when it comes up in the, the football thing. But I mean, quite honestly, you're setting up these interesting things like, oh, Marjo Gordner is a football player. He is a quarterback. He knows how to throw the ball far and in a certain place. He has a certain skill. Maybe that will come into play later on in the movie somehow. Nope. There were so many times when it would have been handy for that for him to be good at that yep. in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also have this kind of like biological sort of thing. Terrible, terrible tragedy, you know, going on. And having a bacteriologist might be good because maybe there's a certain type of bacteria that would, you know, counteract this substance. You could even show them just doing basic science stuff. Yeah, he might have brought a microscope with him or something, you know. Something? I, I'm a bacteriologist. I have a microscope with me. I mean, that's how you would look at bacteria, right? Yeah, I would probably use a microscope. I think it would be hard to see him with a hand lens. I mean, unless the food of the gods makes the bacteria, like, giant, and then you can see it with your naked eye, which would kind of have been an interesting thing, but I'm not sure how they would have shown that. It would that. be neat if they were culture-plating it and stuff. It could be like the Andromeda strain. Yeah. You know, like they were putting it on all kinds of things. So that was a possibility. Does that ever pay off? No. 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 We just get a guy in a stupid raincoat and a girl oh my, in a okay. crocheted hat. Now, people, I have not had a I've not had a fashion break uh, where I've discussed a fashion item in one of these films in a while, but I want to talk about the short trench coat that is belted phenomenon of the 1970s. I would say mid-1970s is probably peak short trench coat season. It's a bad look. I don't ever need to see that look come back again. I like a trench coat, don't get me wrong, but it needs to be a full trench coat. And it needs to be not on just a really horrible character who's just greedy and an asshole. Because I think that the, the, the clothing choice sort of like pushes that, that over the edge a bit. Well, as a, as a, a male fashion plate that I am, I have to say that the one thing that bugs me more than anything else is a belted trench coat where somebody does up the belt and the buckle mm-hmm. in the front. No. It's never a good look. You no. either let it dangle by the sides or you tie it into a knot. Like in a, like a like your robe or something in the front if you need to hold it together. But mostly you let those dangle. They are just there for ornamentation purposes. You don't button up your coat tight across your chest and then belt it tight across the waist. It looks terrible. This is a real deep cut for anybody who could remember this. But in A Clockwork Orange, Alex's probation officer has like the exact same coat mm-hmm. on him no. and it looks just as bad but that's supposed to be a semi-comic character this is supposed to be a this is a, supposed to be the villain this yeah he kind is, of he's, he's kind of the villain i mean the rats he's the, he's the corporation he's the capitalist villain because we can't make nature a villain this is just nature's way of rising up to get back Against at human. what did anybody do to the nature well in this movie um humans just straight up shot a bunch of rats and put it in their film <laughs> well, I guess, so, but, that, but that's not the that's not nature in the film getting back at people making a film about nature getting 
you know, like nature is actually harmed in this film. It's but I true. mean, like nature fighting back. What are they fighting back against in the context of the film? I mean, Marjo's opening scrawl and closing scrawl describe nature as as like his dad always said that nature would find a way to get back at the harms that man has caused it. Blah 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 blah. It's the trees, man. Yes, this is the happening, except with it's rats. It's just like the happening. <laughs> except it's with the rats. exact same thing happened in the happening. Uh, Mark Wahlberg's whole thing was like, sometimes we just don't know, man. Sometimes nature just does stuff, you know? Nobody will ever know, you oh know? Oh, my God, the wise words of Marky Mark. Oh, my God. That movie was at least funny. This was... Uh, 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 this this it's it's not without its charm, but this is this movie lacks in a lot of different areas. Yes, and when I said that they shot a bunch of rats and put it in this movie, I I mean that they legitimately shot a bunch of rats and filmed it and put it in this movie, which makes it a little harder to watch as like a fun B movie because of just the straight up animal cruelty that is on display. I have a certain amount of tolerance for that because it was a certain time and they are rats and they were going to be used on this movie and they would they were almost certainly going to be destroyed after uh, filming this thing. Whether that's a, a, a acceptable thing or not, that's something that happened and that's something that they did in those days. But it's gratuitous enough that by the time they shot their 20th rat in the face and you see this rat face explode on screen, you're like, all right, already, enough with the animal cruelty. Yeah. It's not funny. It's not cool. It's just... It's not even scary. No. It's they, just it's just unpleasant. They filmed it, and it was like their attempt to be realistic, and it sure. was fairly realistic. Uh, yeah, yes, shooting the, a rat in its face is very realistic. Right. I mean, you know, it's a rat's life, you know, but... but but it's something we don't need to put into a movie. All right. So anyway, there's, there's two more characters and then I think we're done, right? Sure. Our bacteriologists. Okay. Well, there's bacteriologists. Those are the two we talked about, but there's two more characters. There's a pregnant lady oh, and her right. non-husband, but father of the baby guy. Yes. Her partner. Her partner. And they live in a Winnebago, which mm. they call a bus. Down by the river. <laughs> the river. A Winnebago <laughs> down by the river. Their Winnebago stuck in the mud. And they cannot get they cannot get it free to go back onto the ferry, the infamous ferry. Right. So they're trying to basically wave down anyone that will come by to help them, or at least give them a ride somewhere. Because when we say she's pregnant, she's like going to have the baby in the course of the next hour of the film. She's like thirty nine weeks and six days. Right. You know? Yeah. Like her due date was three weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, she's yeah, she's, she's that pregnant. It. She's past it. Yeah, yeah. Why, why are they on an island then? It was, you know, Look, people make really stupid decisions in this movie all uh, the time. All right. So the big Cadillac with the bacteriologist drives up. They aren't going to help the couple. No, no, no. Fuck those guys. Yeah, they're like, we got to go and get the, the food of the gods. We're here for. We got a purpose. Well, first, the first reaction of the of the the main bacteriologist uh trench coat mcgee is there's these two hicks that live out on this island we were supposed to meet with the husband he never showed up so i guess we're he gonna get murdered by rats. he was getting murdered by rats yeah i guess we're gonna have to fucking go out to the island and see what all this hullabaloo is about there's there's a, only a small chance that we're going to be able to make any money off of this it sounds too good to be true, but whatever. We will go out there and we will look. So that's Trenchcoat McGee. His partner, who is the the lesser bacteriologist. Crochet hat. Crochet hat. The the female bacteriologist is like, you need to, you know, I hate working for you, 
because you're such an asshole about everything. You're only out to make money. You could have helped those two those two kids in the in the bus down by the river, uh, but uh, no, you won't even you know you won't even stop to help your fellow humans. And he's like, "Fuck you! You don't know anything. If you if you hate working for me so much, you should quit." And she's like, "Well, there's not a lot of op- opportunities for for a woman in bacteriology." Yeah, he's like, "Did I force you to go into bacteriology? It was your damn choice." So yeah. shut up, woman. <laughs> yes. So all right. So okay, there's our, our small bit of misogyny, and also snapshot into what working in the STEM field was like as a woman in the 1970s. Moving yeah, on. We've, you know, we've made some improvements. We, I guess so. I don't. I'm not a science person, so I couldn't. I couldn't speak to that. But anyway, they show up to the farm. What's on the farm? Ida Lupino's on the farm. Also giant chickens. But they've all been killed. Why? Well, dun dun dun. Giant rats. Giant rats, yeah. Because you know what? Them giant rats, they're just constantly hungry. And now they're big. Now they got to eat everything. They eat the chickens. They eat the smaller rats. They eat the bugs. Yeah, yeah. And Ida Lupino gets her arm gnawed off by a worm. It's some sort of giant... Well, it doesn't get gnawed off, but it gets like... It gets bit up. Bit up. It gets et. (laughs) Gets et. Partially et. (laughs) Ida Lupino, who's, who was English by mm-hmm. birth yes. and uh, did most of her work in Hollywood, though, was putting on a kind of generic uh, American sort of redneck accent. That it was... felt New Englander a bit, which yeah. is another confusing thing, because there, yeah. there's a part of this location slash, you know... Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It could be like... like East Coast, like Maine or It, or it feels sort of like... Vermont. Yeah, or, like New know. England. Like, yeah. you know, like... By the cod, uh, yeah. by the cod, the cod of capes, <laughs> the cod of capes, the cape of cods. Yes, yeah, sorry, like, yeah, but not as urbane. As no, that, no, no. It's just some weird island. You yeah. know, it's like it's like a Stephen King throwaway yeah, yeah, island. Yeah. So yeah, it could be a Stephen King island off yeah. of Bangor, Maine, Maine, or right? Yeah, yeah. Castle Rock. So now we've got so now we've got our main characters. We've got Ida Lupino, mm-hmm. Mrs. Skinner. Yes, we got Marjo and his friend. Marjo and friend. We got trench coat McGee, trench coat McGee, and the crochet hat, crochet hat woman, and we've got the pregnant the, lady and her boyfriend. Right, right, okay. So we have. So now everything is set to go. End of first act. We're all ready to go. Right. We already know there's giant rats. There's giant rats. There's giant wasps. There's giant wasps. There's giant bugs. Giant bugs. There's no more giant chickens because they've all been eaten by the giant rats. It's funny when the bacteriologists first show up, they also don't go to the house. They don't go to the house. No one goes to the house. Like, where do people live? Well, clearly in the barn over there with the I'm broken to, door. Yeah, I'm going to make a business deal, so I'm going to walk over to the barn. Mm-hmm. And what's in the barn? Just corpses of chickens. Giant chickens. Which is not commented on. Yeah, no, that's a, that's what I was going to say. He's like, Psh. Hell, if I'm going to buy into a thing, all I see is a bunch of dead chickens. And it's like, they're dead giant chickens. They're like nine foot tall chickens. Like, well, a couple of dead chickens is going to convince me. Like, maybe they're he's not con- dead chickens. They're dead giant chickens. Maybe he's one of these city slickers that doesn't know about the farm. Doesn't understand the size of a chicken. He does have a one-off line in there. It's like, oh, it could be some plaster of Paris and a few feathers glued on, or see, like they're fakes or something. But it's a bl- it's a bloody pile of dead chickens. It's a I mean, stinky, bloody pile of chickens. If somebody was able to make a stinky pile of bloody dead chickens out of plaster of Paris and some chicken wire and and a few feathers, they should have done it for this movie because we didn't see that. We did not like, see it that. Been nice. No, and that person could have got a job in Hollywood. I mean, you know, it should be just as valuable. But no, they go, it's... <laughs> yeah, the model builder for the dead chickens. You know, losing jobs left and right. 
So <laughs> to make a long story, <laughs> we can can we can are we can we possibly make a long story short? I don't know. The trench coat guy immediately shifts into greedy businessman mode. It's like he doesn't care about anything except collecting as much of this goo that's coming out of the ground as he possibly can. Right. That's that's his role for the rest of the film. Is like is, I'm is going to get as many jars and buckets, buckets and stuff, and I'm going to slop up as much of this as I can, and I'm going to put it in my car and drive away with it, and then sell it. Yes, but were you going to sell it by the roadside? Like, what are you going to do to it? it? And and the thing that both dawned on myself and Eric at I think pretty much the same point in the movie is like. You're a scientist. Why wouldn't you like take some samples back to the lab and see if you could like, I don't know, reverse engineer it or figure out what's in it that makes it so special? Yeah, I mean, sure, take a take a a, a bunch of mason jars and fill it up with it. And sure. Bring it back, but it's not that that you're going to sell. You're going to take that and put it in your fridge in your lab, and you're going to take and figure samples it out. of it and look at it and see what's in it. Right. Uh, so that you know you can make it yourself, and then you will be a millionaire. It's not like you sell some shit that comes out of the ground somewhere. But this is, I mean, I mean, it would be for someone who's not sophisticated or a bacteriologist or whatever the fuck he's supposed to be, scientist man. Mm-hmm. But I mean, as a scientist man, the only logical thing to do would be to to study this it. Thing. Yes, I yeah. look again. There's a hole in somebody's yard, and goop is coming out. So the first reaction was feed it to animals. The second reaction is just see hole, gather goo, profit. Those those are our two. Two first sort of reactions to goop in a hole in the backyard. Yeah. Well, so we're, pay- we're paying far too much attention to this than it should be paid attention to. But it's frustrating because they set it up. Yes. If, they- if there was no setup at all and this was just If it was like, just like businessman comes yeah. out to see thing. Yeah, it was just some businessman who worked for Monsanto or something that's like, oh, I want to collect it. Uh, that know, would make like, more sense or, or just like some some guy that lives on it lives in maine and wants to sell it you know just wants to feed it to his chickens sure so his chickens can get big and he can uh, profit sell, yeah profit off of his own giant chickens or so there's so many ways that you could have done this that would that would not have made both of us stop and wonder why any of this was happening right because you focus called, on the important thing which is rats you called two scientists out neither one of them had any sort of science reaction to this thing because because crochet lady is like uh, giving him shit about wanting to make money off of it versus saying, like, maybe we should study this. Maybe this is a thing that we could, I don't know, science somehow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So and she's so, yeah. she just goes into shame mode. She's just like, money-grubbing asshole. Yeah, so the Dorothy Hamill crochet hat wannabe person <laughs> is the, the, the obviously now has to be the love interest for Marjo Gordon. Of course, because... And so it's like, they they hit it off and he's kind of rude to her and she's like you don't like girls and he's like well I like girls just fine like, you were not nice to me oh well I'm sorry I'll I'll be more nice to you that was their meet cute yes it's a meet cute and and it's like well I guess these two gotta go together because there's not the really movie. time for love in this movie because you know why giant rats giant rats they got to get off the island they got to get the giant rats but you know they only have now they only have one car. Because Marjo and his friend came over on the ferry as well. Right. And we, they're in we a, saw every moment of that, so we know. Yes, we do. We know they did. We know how they got to the yes, island. Yes, every inch, every second Otherwise, of them. Otherwise, it would have been very confusing for We us. wouldn't have known. How, how were they even there? I don't know. Maybe their Jeep can fly. <laughs> could be. It could be. It could be like one of those watercraft Jeeps. You, <laughs> that know? Would, like, yeah. you know what? That would have been cool. I would have, I would have, you know what? I could have. 
I could have forgiven some of the other bullshit if they had shown me a Jeep on water. Oh, yeah. One of those, those uh, ducks. Yeah, one of those uh, uh, amphibious cars that they made in those days. Oh, yes, yes, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. He's this football player. You could have afforded You could one have of had those. one. You could have had two, even. Oh, my God. When I was a little kid growing up, there was one of those right, like, right around the corner in my neighborhood. It was so weird. It was a, a car, and it, it, it rode high in its wheels. And in the back, there were two little props, little little propellers did did your neighbor ever go in the water with i don't know i they were some grown-ups that lived around the corner and had this car and it was parked out on the street a lot of the time and i didn't my parents didn't know him i didn't know him but it was so cool because you thought like wow i want a car like that Mm -hmm. when i grow up Mm because i could just go drive right into the lake just go right into the ocean like fuck it you could like yeah you could drive drive to the island i could just drive down to foster get in the water at foster beach and drive and bypass lakeshore drive entirely just ride down the lake down to like oak street beach and just like drive up on Mm -hmm. the beach down there i mean who's gonna stop you the the cops can't (laughs) they don't have they they don't have have water jurisdiction on water no they don't have little water cars fuck it stand there waving their guns looking at me oh they'd be hard they'd shoot me dead i I don't know it's (laughs) wow that went dark fast it's not important uh but yeah okay so so now we've got everybody set up at this island and we've got that now we've got to have like several giant rat set pieces right yes because this is the the main thing uh well the first thing they do is they want to get rid of the giant wasps so they they have a, I think they uh, shoot them. Well, I think they yeah. Marjo shoots a couple. Right. And uh, the uh, the uh, trench coat guy has a shovel and swings at a few of them. But then they go to the nest and somehow they have gunpowder or something like that and they blow the nest up. They blow the dome. They blow the dome. <laughs> this is a wasp nest that's about you know eight feet tall and about four feet wide. It's like the um, uh, was it Journey to the Center of the Earth that has the big beehive. Oh, no, that was um, Mysterious Island. That's Mysterious Island. Yeah. Okay. It's it's like that, except instead of bees, it's a giant wasp nest. Oh, those bees were much cooler in that. They that were was very like a cool. Harryhausen movie. That yes, was a, that was very way cool. Way level higher than this yeah, one. Yeah, it's true. But uh, yeah, so they do they do blow the dome to get rid of the wasps. Okay, wasps taken care of. Yes. Now we got a rat problem. Yes, we do. Okay. So there's several things we know about rats. One of them is they can't swim. Did we know that? I didn't know that. I thought rats could swim. Uh, yeah, rats can swim just yeah. fine. <laughs> in this big, movie. It's a big plot point in this movie that, that Marjo knows that rats can't rats swim. Rats can't swim. And and goes to point out that. like He sets up a little like rat trap kind of thing next to the, the edge of the water. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, let's see if they can get over here. Yeah. And then they don't. They all die. Right. They drown in the water. More, more animals abused. And... So we know rats can't swim. Yes. And we know that um, there's a dam. There's a dam. Holding back the water. Mm-hmm. And there's a bar- There's a remnants of a barn. There's a house. And there's a Winnebago. Right. That's a, the only car that they can take to escape the island is the Winnebago. Because if they don't, uh, if they don't have a roof, the rats can get at them. Right. And so the Jeep is right out. Yeah. Because yeah. he did not bring the soft top or the hard top to the Jeep with them. No, they didn't even have the windshield up. And no, they, they had the, nothing. They had the do- do- doors were off too, man. This was like a Jeep in full mm-hmm. in full wild mode. <laughs> this was the wild caught Jeep? Oh, man. I, I was talking about the Jeep. I drove a Jeep down Lakeshore Drive to just that with the windshield down and the doors off, strapped into the Jeep, and it was scary as hell. <laughs> how, many, how many bugs did you eat? 
Um, not too many. On Lakeshore Drive, it wasn't that big a deal. And I think we got on at like Foster and then got off at like Belmont or mm. something. I mean, we, we were on there for a short time. Because you have this wind in your face, which is unreal. Yes. Uh, you know, it's like riding in a motorcycle. I mean, obviously. I mean, <laughs> a windshield. Yes. But, you know. But that's like, the purpose of a windshield. When you're 21 years old and you're driving in the Jeep, you don't really think about these things. Anyway, so they, they're, they've got a useless Jeep. Mm-hmm. Um, and now they're, they're, they're hemmed in at the house. They can't leave because there's giant rats everywhere, and the pregnant couple are in their Winnebago being uh, set upon by giant rats. I think that's the first sort of like like part that we see next, because the guy comes out and sees a giant rat on the top of the Winnebago, and he says to his pregnant wife, hey, come out here and look at this. She's there, because they're both hiding out in there because they're going to be safe from rats. Right, because, yeah, they know that there are rats. They've, right. they've, they've seen the giant rats. They've they're, seen they're them. They're terrified, and they're yes. like, we're going to stay here. In our Winnebago, you because guys, at least we're protected. You guys go take care of business. Come get us. We'll wait here, and, and then we'll, we'll all, all drive. go. Yeah, together. Yeah. And so the first thing he does is climb out of the Winnebago, sees a giant rat, and says, "Hey, honey, come out here and look at this." So and, and he, she screams and runs out, and now they're not safe in the Winnebago anymore because it has been completely overrun by rats. And when we say Winnebago, we mean model of a camper, not necessarily the same model. It As, was yeah. It wasn't even close in I, some shots. In some shots, it, it seemed like it was close. In other shots, it didn't. Somebody went to the model store and mm-hmm. bought a plastic Ravel, you know, like Winnebago model, and they got there was one maybe in the toy right. store, and, but they had some other like camper vans and stuff there too. They had you know like a Airstream or something, and they were like, well, I guess you know we can use these too. So they made their models and had like rats crawling all over mm-hmm. him and shot him from a bunch of different angles, you know, with a lens and then had like a lot of like little little miniature grass and like little miniature trees around them. So it all looked like it was giant. And then they cut from that to the puppet heads and back and forth. And, uh, you know, our protagonists in the, in the Winnebago, they just got to split. Yeah. So the rats eat the Winnebago and that's, you know, or, or, or befoul the Winnebago. I mean, they want to eat the people. They do, but uh, I think they just eat everything at this point. It kind of seems like... kind of crush the roof on it. I yeah. Mean, it's like, it's, it's fucked up. Right. You they, can't... It's, it's no longer is it just stuck in the mud. Now it is, now it is ratified. All right. So now you get a, a husband and wife, or they make a big point of saying that they're not married. She doesn't believe in marriage. He wants to get married because the kid is his, and he wants the kid to have his name. And she does... Why? Why is this in the movie? Look, we needed to spend a lot of time with them explaining their marital status instead of <laughs> developing the love plot between Marjo and the bacteriologist, explaining why two scientists couldn't science their way out of a paper bag, uh, spending more time with Ida Lupino doing anything, really, because she's got kind of the most interesting character in the movie. And, and this is and this is padding, and it's padding that could pay off. I mean, it's like could it's like, it's like they decided like, well, we have this monster movie, and we need to pad it out, right? Right. So yeah. we need padding. And it's like, well, we've got this interesting idea, and that interesting idea, and that interesting idea, and it's like, oh, great, we'll use these interesting ideas as padding. Nope. Well, they used them, but then they didn't pay them off in any way. And it's like, why? You know, like padding should be them running. You know, mm-hmm. or, like we saw the padding with the 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 going on the ferry and getting yes, off the we ferry. Sure did. And it's like that's padding I can get behind. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like that's classic padding in in monster movies: cars parking and driving. I mean, you know, James Wen. Is, we got to establish how do people parking. get places? Right? How do they go from point A to point B? Because that you know, it's on an island. 
But you pad out the film with this kind of interesting couples dynamic with them, and you think like, well, that'll lead to some interesting padding later on when something. No, no, no. The best, honestly, the best padding during this entire section is Marjo is making Molotov cocktails, which the the not husband is like, why are why are you doing that? We could just be shooting rats, and he's like, no, you don't understand. This is how we're gonna get off the island. So it's like, okay, the two of them are fighting. So Marjo goes away from not husband into, I think, the kitchen to continue making his mason jar uh, artillery. And uh, the uh, the cro- crochet lady is in there. She's like, I know this is really inappropriate at a time like this, but um, yeah, we should really have sex. And he's like, well, uh, you know, if we get out of this, talk to me tomorrow. About that. He's like, like, he's like, how about we, we, we continue this conversation when we're back on land? Yeah. And she's like, he's that's thinking fair. in the back of my, his mind. He's like, she's not hot enough for me. But if this is the last, <laughs> I mean, know, my last chance, it's just, it's just like this thing where it's like, it's like you could have, or, or you could have even like, like he could have just stopped making a bomb at that point and been like, oh, she's kind of into me. Like maybe I could, yeah. I don't know, like do something more than just be like, no, 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 bombs now, fucking yeah. later, or like they could be, you know, they they could embrace or something or. Anything really? Anything really? Uh, some something could have been done. Well, she ends up falling in a rat hole, and he goes in to rescue her. And then the the rope breaks, and then they got to climb out another rat hole entrance. And like, uh, here's this is more padding. And yes. It's like, well, now we've got it. The whole thing is undermined with tunnels. Maybe you could bomb the tunnels. Maybe you could flood the tunnels. Maybe you could put the gasoline in the tunnels and light that up. And just, no, never shows up again. No, no more padding that is like perfectly good to make a movie more interesting. And it's like, no, we're not using it as good stuff. We're using it as pure padding, pure filler. It's like stuffing your mattress with, uh, I was going to say $100 bills. Now, these are not $100 bills. These are like... Like rubber rats. Stuffing your mattress with rubber rats. (laughs) Rubber rats. Monopoly money and rubber rats. Yes. Yeah. Uh, But, I mean, still, come on, man. Show us something. Well... And we got got Molotov cocktails. What do you do with a Molotov cocktail? You light it, and then you throw it, and then it explodes and catches things on fire. Right. Right, and you know who would be really good to light and throw a Molotov cocktail? A football player? Yeah, a quarterback. Oh, my God. He'd be great at it. He'd be like, hey, Rat, go long. No, really long, way out there. Okay, and he'd throw it, and then Rat would jump and catch it, and it would explode. Boom. Mm-hmm. You know? Ah, he's he can he can throw the, the, the bombs very far. Yes, that uh, would no, be, no, he that'd be exciting. That. He oh. starts taking apart shotgun shells and, and putting them in a bowl he's, and I, not husband is he, like i guess he's making pipe bombs at that point yeah he's making pipe bombs which you could also throw but you know but we, we never see that we never see that either he's making pipe bombs and not husband goes and like gets angry that he's taking apart the shotgun shells and then spills all of this gunpowder and, the shot, and shot yeah. on the floor like in a fit of peak you know <sighs> This movie's making me angry now. I'm, yeah. now. I'm becoming angry. You know who would have kept everybody like totally chill and calm and like really been the the key to keeping this team together? Marjo's buddy who just wanted to go to Chicago the next day. Oh yeah, he's still around. He, he gets no, killed. no, no, no. Not killed. when they're making bombs. <laughs> he gets killed by rats. Oh yeah. I mean, I know he gets killed at some point, but I mean, well, the like- the at some point, Marjo and him take the jeep, the very unsafe jeep, and drive to where the dam is. This is how they find out that there's a dam, 
and they're like scouting out where the rats are and it's when they're testing to see if the rats can swim and all that kind of stuff but oh that's right yeah as as they're going to run run away and fuck off uh they get attacked by rats and uh, his buddy dies Right. So why did they even bother bringing him over in the first place? Why didn't Marjo just go? Well, you would think that his friend's death would like like make him want to take revenge against the rats. Right. And that would be a motivating factor. But mostly Marjo just runs and flails a lot in he's, this movie. He's forgotten in a moment. You know, it's Marjo doesn't talk. He about doesn't it. even. Like, yeah, I, I think not, I think basically like there's no there's no emotional <clears throat> anything like, oh, he was my best receiver. My, <laughs> he was my he was my left tackle. He protected me, man. Right. I mean, there's like a throwaway line when he gets back to the house and he the friend is not there and the, the McTrench coat dudes like, where's your buddy? And Marjo's like, the rats got him. And then just like just continued on. He was my best teammate ever. Nope, didn't even didn't no. even warrant an exposition line. No, no. Meanwhile, trench coat guy is now filling up all the buckets with the stuff, and uh, there's a little a little Donny Brook, and then they break some of his jars on the ground, and he gets very sad and upset, and goes driving off, and he gets killed. Right? Isn't isn't that doesn't his time come? His time comes, but I don't think he drives off. Uh, I, yeah, I don't recall what. No, I think just it. I think that's when the rats show up at the, at oh, the at farmhouse. The, at the farmhouse. And it's like, oh fuck, rats are everywhere. Well, shit. Now okay. what are we now gonna everybody's do? Everybody's at the farmhouse. Everybody's at the farmhouse, and it it is at this point in time that Chekhov's smoking pregnant woman decides to have her baby. Right. Well, that should be some interesting stuff because they're gonna be cutting back and forth between the baby and the rats, and is she gonna be able to deliver? Or are they gonna be overrun? No, not really. She just gives birth to a baby, and then it's, they have got a baby there now. Well, and it's all the women folk that deal with the baby, except for Ida Lupino because she is ambushed by a rat. Yeah. In her kitchen. Yeah, that happens. And she's dead. Poor Ida Lupino. She deserved better. After directing some of the best Gilligan's Island episodes ever, <laughs> she the did one other they, things too. The one where they did Hamlet on Gilligan's Island, she directed that one. That's a good they one. Had the, they they sang the Toreador song, but mm-hmm. it was like you know, to thine own self be true. Da, 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 da. It was you know the the was Polonius speech uh, to like the Toreador theme. Yes. It was great. Yes. Oh, you know what? She also wrote an orchestral piece when she was just a teenager. That's and had right. it played by the Los Angeles Philharmonic Orchestra. She was also in the Batman. Uh, oh, she was a villain in the 1960s Batman. Now, you guys have to understand why Eric is getting so excited by this. Eric loves TV from a very specific period of time. The Batman series is a good one. Gilligan's Island. Uh, I think your favorite, you and Jeff's favorite is is uh, Green Acres. Yeah, no, she wasn't on Green Acres. No, but, but she wasn't on a lot of TV westerns and stuff. Yes, she was. Yeah. And also a lot of movie westerns as well. And of course, High I, Sierra and of being course one of them. I love Columbo too, yeah. Um, she was on Columbo twice, I believe. Yeah, yeah. She was on Columbo twice. And, uh, oh, she was in the one with, uh, oh, she was Johnny Cash's wife that he murders in the Johnny Cash episode. And he's also in the, the Roddy McDowell episode. She's in that one, too. See, th- th- this is all catnip for Eric. He fucking loves, I don't he loves, love, you love TV from a very specific period of I time. I love specific TV. Look, I, I will talk about Gilligan's Island very briefly here. That doesn't hold up. It's not very good. It's only, it, it was chewing gum for the eyes when I was a child. And as an adult, I don't know how many episodes I could even get through uh, unless they're like, you know, there's there's a few iconic episodes of Gilligan's Island that stand out in your mind. But for the most part, it was just rinse and repeat every week. Sure. It was just a sitcom on an island and they had these special characters and that that was it. It was that's not great. 
Columbo has a greatness about it, you know. Twilight Zone has a greatness. Oh, absolutely. Now I would agree with that. Green top. Acres is that's that's me and my brother Jeff's sort of thing. There's there's a few people who are in the know out there who realize the greatness of Green Acres, but they're thin on the ground these days. Sure. And most of them are dead, uh-huh. I think, mm. and the rest of them are dying. Got it. Um, but uh, yeah. Aren't we all dying, Eric? Yeah. yeah. Day well, by day. Well, and you know, Eddie Albert was the main character on Green Acres, and Eddie Albert was one of the main villains in a big Columbo episode. So it all it all comes together. I don't know if Ida Lupino was involved in any way in that, but uh, I mean, she, she was uh, uh, just an amazing person, and she ends up getting her face eaten by rats. Yep. Mm. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, they again are beset upon by rats, but Marjo has a plan. Blow the dome again. We're just everything is about exploding things. So he goes to where the dam is and sets up these explosives that he's been making, and they essentially drown all the rats that are on the tiny little uh, house model that they've created. Well, they also shoot a lot of rats. In the they face shoot too. a lot of rats in we the face too. About that. Yeah. And the waters are rising. It's coming in the windows of the house. So, yeah. It's a model house. It's pretty, that's, that's a pretty good model. The model is good. I give them credit. For the, I don't think that some of the car models that they did were very good. Cause those looked kind of fakey, but the model of the house I thought was pretty the decent. The car models looked like models from off the shelf that were, yes. that were professionally built by good model builders. And builders. painted were, as well as they could be at the time. But right. I've seen <laughs> little jars of test stores painted. I have seen Warhammer uh, players paint their miniatures way better than anybody on this film did for any of their models. Yeah, well, this was a quickie. Yeah. And um, yeah, so you had this house model, which was accurate to the house that they had an actual house that they used in this movie as a, as, as a set. Uh, it probably was an existing house somewhere. I don't believe that they built that to make this movie. Mm-mm. It was just a house somewhere. And they made a replica of that at you know one tenth the size and then just dumped buckets of rats on so put it in a bathtub or put in a swimming pool you know yard swimming pool or something put some muddy water in there and dumped the buckets of rats on top of it and then watched them try and climb in the house and on the windows and stuff and filmed it from a bunch of different angles that's true now most of the rats are like your 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 average gray brown city rat ratus norvegicus yes yes (laughs) yes if you if you've ever been uh, in a big city that has a transit si- system that is subway, you are very familiar with the rats that are in this movie because they're everywhere. Yeah. There is, however, one special rat, which yeah, was the such, lab rat. It was such a missed opportunity. They had Again. they had one albino like white lab rat with the pink eyes and the whole thing. And he could have been the super rat. The he rat, could have the been one a, rat to lead them all. Right. One he could have been the Highlander. Them. Yes. Yes. Bring them all and in the <laughs> The in Rat the, of Power. Yes, the Rat of Power. In Sauron the, the Rat. In the in the farmhouse, bind them. <laughs> right. And no, then he just gets shot. He just gets he, shot at the end by Marjo. Just another rat. But like and, and the, the thing was is that they waited until like all the like so most of the rats like they're climbing up, they're climbing up, they've got to get to the second story because the floodwaters have 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 completely submerged the first story of the house. And then they end up climbing up out and out onto the roof. And there's, there's still rats because, you know, rats can climb. They can't swim, apparently, but they can climb. So there's a couple rats on the, the roof and Marjo shoots them. And then the, the giant white lab rat is the last rat standing and gets just blown away. 
Yeah, and it's like was... he that that could have been that could have been the you know like I I keep thinking of um all of the things this movie could have been I keep thinking of the the Planet of the Apes remakes that they did where yeah. uh, the guy that um what's his face guy plays Gollum yes. Andy Circus Andy Circus is like the super smart ape like that could have been the super smart rat right yeah he could have been leading the armies of rats and then Marjo would have had to like uh, ba- like battle yeah. the leader of the rats right. or maybe maybe they instead of being bacteriologists maybe they were psychologists or something and they did experiments Sk- skinner with rats. boxes yes yeah, sk- oh wow that works with the skinner doesn't it yeah yeah and they they could have had a thing where you know the the uh, crochet hat lady uh, you know dorothy hamill wannabe came up with some like Thing like, oh, you know the behavior of this type of white rat. I know from working with them in the lab that they will always turn left when they're faced with a certain like anything. anything. Any, Give us anything. anything. Give us anything, and it's just nothing after nothing after nothing. I would not recommend this movie except for bad movie nights. I wouldn't. And I will. Even then, the, what's what's good about this movie? I'll tell you what's good is the giant rat puppet heads. They look great. Yeah, Eric was really into the giant rat. I love the giant rat puppet heads. If I could buy one or many, I would have them in my house. I don't know where I would put them. He would just like I'd make a wall sculpture out of them at random periods of time. Like I would just wake up and be beset by a giant rat. Give one to your uncle Al. Oh my god, Al would love that. Yeah, I know he would. Yeah. Um, No, I think I think the problem for me in recommending this movie is I don't think. Well, first off, if you have any issues with animal cruelty, you're not going to want to watch this movie because a lot there's a lot of it on display. And it's 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 I know it's of its time and I'm sure that, you know, there it was perfectly the okay. Same thing in the Andromeda strain, but it was in the service of some sort of laboratory experiment kind of thing when there were, when it's you, co- when it's c- couched in that it's not as much of a problem for me mm-hmm. as it was when it was obviously just some you know, PA with a BB gun just shooting rats. Yeah. So I think, number one, I can't recommend it because of that, especially if if that bothers you. Number two, there's just not much of a story here. Well, there is a there is like a postscript ending where it gets into the, the milk and the cows and then the kids are drinking the milk. Yeah. Oh, that's that right. Would be the, like, that would be like the sequel. The setup like, for Food the of the Gods 2. Yeah. There is a Food of the Gods 2. We did not watch it. It's not available. Oh, it's not? I don't think so. I don't think I, I think we could see the trailer for it, mm. but you can't find it streaming anywhere and I wasn't going to shell out any bucks for a DVD if well, one it even exists. It came about 13 years after this one. So it was made in 1989. So it's not like it was even sort of a planned sequel. Uh, it's probably probably has a lot of neon colors and you know, people dressed in like like ripped kind of like well, clothes. and honestly, it's probably they they probably picked it up because I would assume that the H.G. Wells source material is in the public domain at yeah, this point. I would expect. Yeah. So, so yeah. So for me, it's it's not. I'm not going to give it a big recommend. And you know, for, from a from a sort of viewpoint of this being Marjo Gortner month, he's not much of a lead character in this movie. They didn't give him any business. It's not his fault. No, I, and and I'm not saying that he did a bad job either. No, no. I think he did fine. It's just that he was hey, he had top billing and this was not a movie that had a top billed character in it. I could have made this movie better. Sure.
Thanks for listening to Cinema Super Collider. You can find us online at anchor.fm, but you can also subscribe to our podcast via any of the major podcast networks, including the Apple Store, Spotify, and others. If you'd like to email us, you can reach us at cinemasupercast at gmail.com. Thanks, and we hope to see you again in the future. Yeah.